All right, Mots, we're back. Episode 22, mailbag episode. We got some great questions. We talked some AAA hockey. If things are watered down in the Northeast, we got some great Instagram questions, some summer training, some skating questions, playing other sports, not chasing programs. So some really good questions. Hope you guys enjoy. What do you say, Mots? We ready to roll? Let's go. Okay, Mots, what's happening? How we uh, how we doing? I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. We haven't chatted. Everything going well? Great, uh, great reviews after the Tom Glavin interview last week. That was excellent. Yeah, got a lot of positive feedback. He, I was all geeked up to chat with him. You know, some baseball, some hockey. A lot of people like that interview. Yeah, things are good. You know, school uh, winding down for the kids. I got a haircut. You know, where'd you go, Mots cuts? I went to Supercuts, kid. No, my God. I actually got cleaned up yesterday at my spot, Mackie. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing all right. Weather's yeah. nice. It was a crazy heat wave around here. Yeah, like they say, not so much the heat, the humidity. You know, that's what gets you. Exactly, exactly. We've had uh, quite a lot going on, NHL playoffs. Things are buzzing. T- tough to see the Bees lose. What do you think about that game? Ah, uh, yeah, just the Islanders were a little more op- opportunistic. They capitalized on their chances. I'm fortunate to see the home team bow out. They had a good squad, could have made a deep run, but still know a few guys on that Islanders team and wish them the best moving on to to play uh, Tampa. So that's it's going to be an interesting series. They're very disciplined, and like I, like I said, they, they are very opportunistic in their chances. How big of a dump is that rank? I remember seeing, remember, remember, Joanna actually brought this up. Remember, I saw you must have been hurt. We'll say hurt, not healthy scratch. But <laughs> we took a we took like a potty bus down there when Keith came in town, and we drove from Boston went down. And I remember seeing you in the elevator. And, yeah, uh, you, yeah. I, I, I let's call it an injured. I was yeah, 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 on the IR. Yeah. So when I was with the the Devils coming in there, we. I mean, it's no one wants to go in there and play. So then, when I got to the Islanders, like guys are still like, oh, "This is kind of a dump." Like, wah, wah. yeah, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, "Listen, guys, it's a home ice advantage. You could be up a goal. It's like a goal advantage if you come out hot and you can, because no one's ready to play when they when they drop the puck there. The boards are like, you know, Freaking. it's just a yeah, yeah, it's just a tough facility. But I, I I end up loving it, and like that place just rocks. The fans are awesome." They're so into it, and you know it's it's their team. You know, and they've had great success. There's a great history there, and the alumni are always around. So it really, uh, really kind of lends itself to a good environment. And they're going to have a new building next year, but um, that place is it, it could be special for them to to go out with a bang and and make a little push here. Yeah, yeah, no, it seems like that. The place is obviously rocking. The lines for the bathroom looked outrageous. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, that's good. Before we uh, we dip into the mailbag, obviously this is episode twenty two uh, mailbag. We got some great questions, but I want to talk about TSR Hockey. Uh, TSR is New England's premier hockey store and is a proud partner of the Rink Shrinks. TSR Hockey is the hockey store that specializes in fitting TSR fits players correctly to the right gear to maximize each player's performance. TSR team and corporate sales department can outfit your team with the top brands in sports apparel. Ensure that your team looks the best this season. Visit TSRHockey.com. They're great guys. Like if you want a a good setup, set out, uh, outfit your team, you know, anything. They have great selection. We always talk about it. They're they're not tied to just certain products. They have a wider uh, array of 
selection up there and they're great people to deal with so check them out tsrhockey.com yeah they do a great job with their uh social media too they the the website uh the instagram is very active and uh they get some different you know interactive type of stuff which is which is good and they definitely like you said they can get any type of any type of brands anything possible so they do a great job and we appreciate their support but Mots, what do you say you want to you want to lead us off with this first email yeah, it's a little long, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pass it over to you. You got the BC education. Yeah, well, I'll paraphrase some of it, but a lot of great points in this, as well as a couple questions here. But so, this is an email from a hockey parent in the Chicago area. I'm a parent of a 10 year old squirt who plays on a mid level tier two travel team. And we have enough kids to field two teams, but we are not picking from the cream of the crop of highly motivated, ambitious kids. So typically, the top kids try out and leave for AAA or Central States programs because it's a lot of talent pool, stronger competition, and perceived better coaching. Instead of chasing other programs, I've dedicated the last few years to our current program by coaching and joining the board. But it's that old chicken and egg issue. We can't be the top-tier organization if we're losing our best players and vice versa. So as far as an organization, coaching and support, off-ice training, etc., they have improved. Uh, but to be clear, I'm not attempting to force my kid to get a scholarship or go to the NHL. Frankly, I just want him to have the groundwork laid so that if he ever decides to absolutely dedicate himself and specialize in hockey, he has a fighting chance at that time. So his questions are, you guys seem to frown upon parents chasing better programs, but you both played coach uh, within the AAA Tier 1 elite programs. Can you square that up for me? as well as based on our situation, do you think we should stay the course or begin the chase? Also, I'll just note, uh, he was on the fence about signing up his guy for flag football this summer, but because of the podcast, he signed him up last night. So that's uh, really great uh, to hear from a yeah. uh, parent in the Chicago area. A lot, lot there, but you know, a good back background to kind of give an answer to, but I mean, it's, you know, go ahead, BY. Like, I have some thoughts on it. I'll yeah, I mean, my my initial thoughts are that they're, they're 10, they're still young. I know Chicago fights the battle kind of like we do here in Massachusetts. Uh, I know, you know, personally for us, I was involved in the select program. I do think that, that you know, the, the so-called elite programs around here, uh, the reason why, you know, I, I was running a program, so it was kind of a natural progression for me. Uh, it was a, you know, it was part of my job and my kids were there and I, and I played, um, we've always had very strong coaching and, and good influences and everything for us is still fairly close. You know what I mean? It takes me 10 minutes, 15 minutes to get to the rink every day, uh, depending on traffic, obviously it can take a little bit longer. So it's not like we're, um, chasing it and driving an hour or two hours or three hours away, which I know some parents are completely nuts and are doing, it's still pretty localized. And, um, you know, we, we, again, we just, it's consistent practices, it's consistent skills. It's, you know, the game schedule is very consistent versus some of the, the town programs. But, you know, I think that, you know, everybody has a, has to fight the fight a little bit and you've got to do, you know, what's best for you. And if, if they can, um, you know, keep things competitive within their program and, and, you know, get good off ice, good on ice, good practice times, things like that, then, you know, God bless them. And I think they'll, they'll, they'll be fine. And, you know, eventually at 14, 15, 16 years old, when things get a little bit more serious and his kid starts to take it more serious, I think that he can, you know, eventually make that move or, or it'll be kind of a, a natural progression. Right. 
Yeah, and he also references, um, you know, as his kid starts to stand out in a program, it's very difficult for him not to try out for the AAA and the Central State teams, um, as well as right now he's focused on the program that they're in and doesn't know, and his son doesn't know what he might be missing out on. But, you know, again, to the point of what you're saying, it, it's it's kind of a fine line, um, you know, we're fortunate here in the Boston area to have a lot of local, um, you know, uh, opportunities and options, you know. So the fine line I look at is, though, that self-evaluation, right? They're 10 years old, so you want to just get, let them get reps. And, and if it is competitive enough, like you said in the email, I think you just stay the course. And if you're coaching and, and you do have those resources, I think you just play those out and and you're competitive in the league and, and you let it play out. And if there is, you know, a chance for your son to start dominating that level, then you look elsewhere, or you can even just try out, um, you know, with, with really no expectations to, to really do it, but just to see, it's really like a barometer on, on where your kid falls. And it does go back to self-evaluation and understanding, you know, is he ready to be challenged more? And would a move benefit, you know, not only him, but, you know, the, the sacrifices that you're going to have to make to travel a little bit more and all that. So, again, it's it really is a case by case basis. Um, but I know geographically it's a little more difficult to just kind of pick a program in the Midwest because there is a little bit more travel involved. Um, so there might be a little more decision making there. Um, but I think you have a, a good head on your sho- shoulders from the email. I, I, our, my advice would just kind of stay the course within your program, try to develop it as much as possible with the kids that are there and uh, provide them with the best opportunity to develop at that age. Cause you know, again, 10 years old is young, but they're starting to, if they're, if they are ambitious enough, they start to, to get a taste of it. I think that is very, uh, you know, impressionable time to kind of make that next step. But uh, again, just that evaluation of the player and the kid and and the, and the commitment that um, the travel would take, I think you just have to play that all into your decision making. But overall, I think you're in a good shape, in good shape, and then you know all of, you can just you know kind of see where it goes. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Uh, well, that was great. Yeah, that was good. Good one. Keep it keep it coming, and uh, and best of luck with everything. Uh, the next one's from Instagram uh, from Philip. My son's a 2006 player and is trying out for a few travel teams this month. There's a team that does a split season, uh, full travel from August through November, then stops so kids can play high school seasons and then regroups late in the season for the state tournament. The kids I've seen from the split season program are talented and it seems it's a good program, but would it be better to try and make a team that doesn't a full travel season to get it to get in more game experience? Another great question because that, you know, dynamic has come, you know, the landscape's changed and that dynamic of full season and split seasons um, as they get into high school has has really kind of gained momentum and you have to kind of make a decision. But my whole thing is if you're in a program or a high school that has a good program um, and the camaraderie of going to school and, you know, just like that interaction of, of your peers and, you know, um, just, just like the, the real school camaraderie, it's very important. 
I think that in the social uh, development of of a of a person, boy or girl, and I just think that um, the full season teams, if you don't have that good option for high school, that's a great option. You know, sometimes they're a little bit higher end, uh, depending on where you are, and they can you know get into a little bit more competitive tournaments year round schedule. But that split season is what my son is doing, and. There's been great benefits because as a coach, you get to prepare the kids for their tryouts and you talk to them at a a high level on what they need to do to make a team. And it's pretty rewarding, you know, so there's kids from all over and then they go to their schools and then they come back and, you know, you see the the growth in in every kid um, with each experience. So I, I would just look at it, what you have in as a high school program, and then, you know, you can make your decisions according to what's available in your area. Right. And, and nowadays you're seeing that there's so many more options when it comes to these full season academy programs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I know that they're starting one out of Canton where, where we play the American hockey Academy, I believe it's called. Uh, we saw that, uh, the old Matin on, uh, they went to a full season, obviously Mount St. Charles. So there's, there's definitely a lot of those options out there too now. Uh, you know, but ultimately, like you said, if you're in a good position and you have a, you know, whatever high school you're at, it, it, it makes sense to do a split season team and then go and play for your high school during the winter. Uh, I know some of the benefits of some of those full season programs are they're getting ice touches. They're getting, uh, they're getting, you know, three, four practices a week that it's a little bit more serious as opposed to, um, you know, and, and not to say that the, the, the high school season's not serious, but, you know, when you're playing on a split season team, sometimes you have kids that are also playing soccer or golf or, or football and things like that. So they are, you know, they're focused on just that team. They're playing quite a bit and they're kind of specializing at that uh, high school age group. So it's a, you never know. It's like you said, it's kind of a case by case basis as well, but it's another good question. Yeah. So we got another question from Danny on Instagram. When you guys say, have your kids participate in other sports during the summer as coaches, are you still expecting the kids to keep up with skating like lessons or skill sessions? We are firm believers in playing other sports in our house, but it feels hard keeping up with the Joneses in hockey when our kid has been playing baseball and lacrosse since February and has travel tryouts in a couple of weeks. He sees the ice maybe one to two hours a week since travel season ended in February. So, what do you? No, I think that's I think that's excellent. I think it's a a great question. Um, I wouldn't worry about keeping up with the Joneses. Get away. We heard it. We heard it last week from Tom Glavin. We've heard it from, you know, all of our guests. Put the bag away and, and you know, and develop that passion and that fire and that want to go back to the rink. You got to want you, – you can't burn your kid out where he's skating year-round. I think supplementing things and doing some skills, kind of like, like, you know, Danny says here, skating one or two hours a week, getting some skill sessions in, working on, you know, or, or a three-on-three league, little things like that that are fun and going to help you develop rather than going and chasing, you know, the summer tournaments or spring tournaments and going to those every weekend. I think those are the waste of times. You know what I mean? If you go and you do, you know, a couple skates and you're getting some reps in and you're, you're working on your skills and working on getting better, I see great benefit in that. Yeah, and it and really to the point is it, it there has to be a balance of kind of understanding and it feel it seems like you have a good handle on it. Um, you know, there's 
what you want to do is is hit your stride and you know you don't want to come out out of the gates as the the polished player when you're younger and there's no age on this um on that question but you know if you're playing other sports you aren't going to be the top player or the most in shape uh game wise or on the ice when you when you start the season and that's important i mean to build up throughout the season you know that's i mean natural if you're playing other sports and then you're using different muscles and uh, developing your athleticism so it does take a little bit of patience i guess uh say from a parent or maybe just perspective uh just to understand that you don't need to do everything that everyone else is doing you know you don't necessarily think you know you're falling behind it's just one of these situations where you know you stick to you know your your kind of guns on on letting the kids play other sports and then they get back up to speed so it's season by season but staying on the ice enough you know like one to two hours a week is is actually pretty consistent you know i think um you know it's really again up to the the kids some kids just love it and eat it up and maybe you have to pull them back a little bit. If not, then you don't want to be forcing them to the rank. And that's one of the things that you, you mentioned is that passion. You just want to be able to put the bag away, and then when it comes back around you start getting back into it, you want to be going there. You want to be. Yeah, you fire it up. You yeah. fire it up to go to the rink. Exactly. And that's the best part. You know, you don't want to get off the ice. And you're like, oh, the Zamboni's coming back out. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Well, Mots, why don't we talk about Franklin? You want to talk about Franklin? Because we did just talk about some other sports. So why don't you, why don't you take care of that for us? Yeah. Uh, we're always talking about how important it is to play multiple sports growing up and not getting burnt out by too much hockey and keeping it fun. So it's also important to develop skills like eye-hand coordination from baseball or lacrosse, footwork and soft hands from flag football or soccer. Our partner, Franklin Sports, can act as the one-stop shop for all the equipment you need to play these other sports. In addition to street hockey equipment, they're offering all our listeners 20% off their entire website of sports equipment at franklinsports.com. Enter the coupon code RANKSHRINKS for 20% off site-wide through the end of 2021. Street hockey equipment, soccer balls, nets, footballs, batting gloves, baseball equipment, pickleball, cornhole, volleyball, and more. When the ice melts, we keep playing. That's it. That's it. Those guys at Franklin, they're great. Uh, speaking of other sports, my uh, my middle guy, Colin, had a, had a tough injury on Sunday. He was in the finals for um, basketball in uh, the, this little Gavi Park League that they play in, which is – which is fun. It's great, and uh, you know I've talked about it before. He loves it, but he uh, he was defending, and a kid. This kid was a pretty big kid. He was like twelve. Collins eleven, and I uh, ran over him. He ended up bra- uh, fracturing his wrist. So we oh, spent man. Sunday at the uh, at the emergency room, which is a blast. You know, oh, that's no good. At least it wasn't like uh, the proverbial breaking the ankles and just <laughs> hurting his ego. Exactly. He yeah. got ran over by like Rob at the tractor trailer junior. <laughs> Uh, that's that's a tough uh, bounce, yeah. A big yeah. Man, but um, he'll be stronger though. He'll get through it. Yeah. How's his oh. handle? How's his how's his uh, athleticism? As we're talking about it, can he shoot the rock? Can he handle the ball? What type of player is he? He's like a he. He kind of plays a. Uh, he's like a a safety in football. He kind of like just reads the play. Like you can't defend before the half court, so he just like sits there and and. <laughs> Anytime like a guy goes to make a pass, he just like attacks. He defends really well, and he ends up getting a ton of steals. 
because he's fairly quick. But it, it, it's a great it's a great sport. It really is. But he obviously has no idea. Like he'll he'll make a steal and then go and have a layup and just fire one off the backboard like uh, the dude in the long long came Polly. You know what I mean? Raindrops. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's he loves it and it's good. He's you know he's he's getting better. He's just got to learn to kind of relax and uh when he's going up for a layup like take a deep breath type of thing you know yeah slow it down yeah we had a slow hoop it. in my yard growing up and could shoot i never really played o- organized more just street ball but um street ball yeah street ball and then uh our good friend robbie donovan and i would play one-on-one for cardio during workouts yeah. during the summer <laughs> and he Donnie's was like, the city kid so he could probably ball a bit oh he was good yeah he had the first step was like pretty good so he had to have quick feet to defend it i kept putting my like little my arm was in by my my body but my hand was out and i would just give him the stop sign yeah and yeah. i just like put in like halfway through the summer he's like dude that's a foul i'm like <laughs> i'm like oh you're gonna start calling fouls now <laughs> oh, we uh, play for lunch Donnie every morning yeah. yeah unbelievable so. That's funny. All right, let's get back to the questions here. Uh, this one's from Instagram. Do you think AAA on the East Coast is watered down? So we're talking about the elite level? The yeah, high, I, high I think level. so, the high end, yeah. Um, I would I would say because of the growth of so many programs, yes, it has watered down, um, you know, especially – if you it's look a at business. It, I mean, it's a business yeah. now. It really is. So, yeah, I, I think the answer is yes, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, if you compare it to when we came through and there was only one team that you could play for, there was no, there was no, you know, uh, tiers of of teams within a program. Um, but there's just a vast amount of top programs now that will water it down because there's more opportunity to play. You know, you can say, you know, you can go back and say that about the NHL when there were six teams. Right. You know, it was right. the best of the best. And, you know, then it expands and expands and gives plugs like me a chance to hang on for a little bit. <laughs> so, you know, so, th- I, you know, I'm, I'm excited about that. But uh, yeah. maybe the top end guys weren't. Right, exactly. No, yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 definitely uh it is watered down there's so many teams i mean i still think that there's there's some high high high-end kids there but you know if like you said if there was only let's call it eight teams in massachusetts that was strictly elite at each age group i think then it would be very very good hockey but now you have you know the ehf you have the uh the new england league or whatever whatever that one's called uh, all of these different programs that have so-called elite teams and it's all spread out. So yeah. um, I, I think the simple answer there is yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, what do we got next? Another Instagram question. Yeah. Uh, when is the best time to correct a might player's mistakes? That's a good um, question. I that's like a good that. question. I like that. I mean, from my own past experience, obviously I've, I've coached at the might level the last few years. Um, I think the worst thing you can do is be yelling and screaming while the kid is like on the ice making a play and trying to correct his mistakes there. We call uh, that joysticking. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think the best time for me was always, um, you know, when the kid came back to the bench, whether it was a forward or defenseman and, and, you know, if it was a positional mistake or it was something that needed to be shown, you could, you would, uh, take out, you know, take out the, the, I always say the chalkboard and my kids make fun of me, but the, uh, the, the 
the whiteboard or whatever with the, the dry erase board and, and kind of go over the play with them or go over what, what they could have done differently or what that their mistake was. And, um, you know, that's the time because it's still kind of fresh in their memory. Uh, it's something that they're not going to, you know, they haven't forgotten about that quickly. So I always took the opportunity when they, you know, or I do take the opportunity when they come back to the bench to try to address it, whether it was, you know, I'm just thinking of a, a minor mistake, right? A, a, a kid, you know, maybe should have chipped the puck out at, at the blue line, right? Just to relieve pressure and make the play. So, you know, you try to show them, show them some different, you know, a different example and, and hopefully they can correct it. Yeah, I think um, for the most part, a lot of kids know they made a mistake. Yep. Um, so when they come to the bench, you, you, you have to guard against pointing out all the negatives within, you know, the game because um, it is a game of, of mistakes. But if it's a if it's a play that they're going to see again in the game, I this is how I, I approach it, um, you know, to help them kind of realize some of their options that when they see it again later in the game. Uh, mm-hmm. Only because... You know, it's so easy to just point out mistakes. Like I, you know, when when we we're it's playing, a game of mistakes. Yeah, you, you don't want to come back and have the coach coming down your street about, you know, you know, a bad play that you made or a bad decision. But if it can help, you know, if you can talk to a kid, and again, this is, um, you know, something that I like to do is like you take a breath. You, you don't make it very emotional, even if the game's tight or whatever, and you you talk calmly to the, the definitely a might. You know, they, these are young kids and. um you know, just mention, all right, so the next time in, you're in that position, uh, these are some of your options, and you can bring the whiteboard into play like you do. And um, I think that's more effective for the kids, you know, because if you, if, you, if you spin it as a negative, it's, they're going to be, you know, overthinking it. And, you know, it's just right. not a, a I positive think, I think I think always result. doing, uh, you know, finding something that was positive on the shift too, right? And so, mm-hmm. you, you know, you grab that, that, you know, that, that little player and just say, Hey, you know, that was an excellent shot on net or whatever the, the, the play was, or, Hey, great pass there. And then, you know, and then you find that kind of mistake. So you, you encourage, you kind of correct and then encourage again and, you know, get them, you know, it's kind of like that Oreo cookie effect, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you encourage them, you kind of capture their attention. So you're not just like berating them. And then you talk and say, Hey, you know, but that play, you, you know, try to do this, this, and this, you, you know, the next time you see it and then, Hey, you know, get back out there and, and, you know, encourage them again to, to go and, and try to make another play. You know what I mean? Be encouraging about it rather than just strictly negative, because if you're just negative, when you come to the bench uh, or you're just getting negative advice, when, when you come to the bench, the kids are going to tune you out no matter what. Yeah. And that's uh, <laughs> the other thing is you get, you know, these young, young kids and it's, you know, that it's easy for us as say adults to, to kind of just see the negative and not, you know, and, and then when you start saying it, like sometimes you have to catch yourself or like before you even do it. Um, but that's the easy reactionary coaching move, which you want to guard against. Yeah. And, so. and you know what I hate is the coach on the bench and I've seen it in, in different sports now, it like the 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 come on, you know what I mean? Like that's just <laughs> it's awful coaching. It's it, it's terrible. Like a coach can't react like that. You know what I mean? It's it's one thing to encourage and things like that, but if you're like, come on, like you know what what are you doing out there? Yelling and screaming across the ice. It's just it's just terrible. It's awful. Yeah, yeah. I hate it. 
like you're a season ticket holder. Yeah, yeah. it's like you're, you're the, yeah, <laughs> you're the coach, you know. But uh, uh, Dave, what do you think? Should we queue up a? Uh, you got we got we got a couple voicemails, right? Oh, we got a few voicemails. Hang on right. here. Let's let's get one. I guess my real question is: Is can you still get to college hockey playing in high school? I keep hearing over and over and over again that high school, like Division One hockey, like a Catholic Memorial or Zavarian Brothers, that you can't get to college through these places anymore, that you have to go to the uh, elite academies that are popping up now, you know, or that you have to go to prep school. I, I even hear that the prep school stuff is starting to fail. I mean, I... I it's it gets it's crazy. I, I have a son who's played, I'd say, at about a uh, Catholic Memorial level. Uh, he's moving on to Avon Old Farms next year, and I I can't imagine that if he doesn't crack the varsity lineup in the next couple of years, that he wouldn't be able to play in college somewhere. I mean, it's ultimately the goal is is to play in college, but also to you know receive a great education. I just can't see it being done at these elite academies where you go on school on the computer in the back of some rink and then just play a ton of hockey. So I guess my question to you is, is can you get to college hockey, playing in high school, playing in prep school, et cetera? I also want to thank you guys because I love the show, and it's totally awesome and funny, and I've learned a ton about this game just in the last six months of listening to you guys that I have, you know, trying to help navigate my son for the last 10 years. I've never played, so I don't know anything about the path. And anyhow, it's a great, great show. Keep it up. Thank you guys. That was really nice of them to tune in and, and, and get something out of it. That's awesome. Um, what do you think, BY? I think – and we've talked. I mean, I remember, I, I'm thinking back to our interview with Mike Souza, right? A, a Division One college coach. I think the days of going directly from, you know, a Massachusetts public high school hockey uh, program, or even a, a Catholic school program, and going straight to Division One college hockey is difficult. And I think even going and playing division three hockey, everybody, the ages have changed. Everybody's going in and they're older and they're bigger and faster and stronger. Uh, so I think it's very difficult. And I think the days of going, you know, like I played at, I played with Sean Collins and Steve Saviano. They both went right from Reading high school, right to UNH and were, were two phenomenal players. And I don't, you know, I don't think those type of, um, paths are there anymore and it's sad to say it really is yeah i i think to answer his question there is you know this benefit of going to these schools and then kind of seeing where your your son or daughter are kind of measuring up so his son is going to avon old farms which is a great school and that can springboard him to uh play college hockey in my opinion, but it is ultimately up to the individual. If you're good enough, they're going to find you. Um, but but I think what you're saying in, too, though. So even if like the kids really good, are they still gonna? Is uh, and I I think the colleges are saying to you, okay, even if you're a stud at 
Avon Old Farms or Thayer Academy or whatever, we still want you to do an extra year, yep. right? Yep. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's that was the next point. Like, they, the yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I was just thinking. no, no, I'll say the colleges definitely have the um, kind of model of letting players develop as long as they can. And like you said, their kids aren't coming right out of high school to D1. Uh, you know, the D3 is still an extremely terrific option and, you know, great education, some of these great schools. Um, but the model has been consistently changing towards an older, more, I wouldn't say polished, but more mature player. And that is the, you know, the path is a year or two in junior uh, and then going to these schools. So you can still, you know, the path has definitely changed. So like you can play in these, you know, Catholic or public, you know, then prep, but you, most likely you're going to have to go to junior because these colleges are, are expecting that. Right. Which, unless you're, unless you're a complete phenom. Right. Yeah. And no, that's like they, kind of how they offset it. I think is, you know, you have a kid like Jack Eichel that's going in as a true freshman who's a complete stud, but he's still, he's still a boy, right? He's still 17, 18 years old on Noah Hannafin. Right. And how do they, how does the you know UMass Lowell's of the world compete with that? Because they know they're not getting that high high end kid. Is they go out and they bring in a twenty one year old kid who's you know three more years developed and they're and bigger and stronger and you know he might not be as talented but you know what he's he's, he's more of a man and he's coachable yeah. and he's more mature and I think that's kind of how they offset it. But yeah, it's it it really is. It's tough and and I think that's the. You know, to, he he did touch quickly, which I which I liked on the education piece, and the education piece is very important. I still think that any of these schools are very good options, and go there and get educated. And if you know whether it's your public school and you you stay, or it's Catholic Memorial or BC High or you know Archbishop Williams, whoever it may be, and you graduate from there, like I said, you're gonna probably have to go the junior route anyways. So what's the what's the rush? Enjoy your four years of high school whether it's public or Catholic uh, or even, you know, the prep schools and get your education versus, you know, I think some of these full season academies that are popping up. And like he said, sitting in the back of a rink doing online classes, I think that should be is, is very, it's not good. You know what I mean? The, the, you're ruining the high school experience. I, you know, those, those, those models, you know, I think the, the education piece is very important. You know what I mean? So if I was looking at one of those full season academies, I certainly would be looking at, okay, what's the educational uh, component of it, right? Is it, is it, you know, sitting there with our laptop like me and you right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, the social aspect as well. The interaction yeah, absolutely. is very, very important. Um, Very important. What do you think? I think we got we got another. Oh, that was a voice. Let, let's go to. Uh, we got one question. Um, Brendan and Quincy. This is on Twitter. What does the six line mean? Ah, oh. Mach, you want to take that? Yeah. So there's five lines on the ice. The six line is everything that you can do outside of just the rank to mm -hmm. like really develop your your whole game, you know, so whether it be watching games and then the added skills, uh, and there was six, six people in our family. So there you we, go. yeah, so it, it all came together, but the six line, you don't want to really be on the six line if you're on a team, 
you know, no. like you're up in the press box. But the six lines is just a cool little uh, play on, you know, uh, the rank dimensions, you know, the five lines. So you get the goal line, blue line, red line, blue line, goal line, five lines. And then you got uh, the six lines, everything you can do to make sure that you can develop into the best player you can be. And there you go, Quincy, Brendan. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think? Time for another uh, another voicemail? Yeah, I love the voicemails. I do. By Mott, what's up, guys? It's Jersey Shore. I uh, just want to say you guys do an awesome job, and hope you both are doing well. My question for you guys this week is about coaching and how do you get involved, and at what age should you get involved if you ever want to get involved? Um, I don't have any kids, so I don't have that outlet to try and get into it through having my own children. Um, and I certainly could never coach the Terriers. I mean, they would skate circles around me backwards probably. You all, you obviously know that BY given my skill set, but yeah, just how did you guys get into coaching? Um, obviously with both your elite skill levels of, of hockey and the levels that you played at, it certainly helps. But, you know, how does somebody get involved even just coaching, you know, youth hockey? Uh, locally, something like that. So, thanks, uh, thanks for listening, and you guys keep up the great work. Jersey Shore, <laughs> this kid it. was such a cartoon character when I coached him when he was, you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen years old, whatever it was. Absolute maniac, but great kid, and I, you know, I appreciate. It. I think that's a great question. I think you know, I would start at, at you know. Going with your, your your town program and just trying to help out, help out with skills, practices. Try to tag out with with a you know a guy like um, a guy like you, Mott. Hey, can I help? Can I can I be around and help push pucks and learn from from you know a guy that knows what he's doing? And you know he said he doesn't have any kids yet, even though you know I'm sure he's beating the women um, off with the with the broom the way that Jersey Shaw used to look back in the day. You know what I mean? But uh, he. You know, I think you just you get involved and start to learn it. You know what I mean? Be a you know, kind of be a shadow a little bit, and and then when you're there, be a sponge. And um, you know, great example of you know, you don't have to be the best player to be a coach. My father coached at Canton High School, and Danny Muse, who's now the the head coach of the U.S. Under 18 team, he's coached. Uh, he won a national championship at Yale. He was most recently with the um the Nashville Predators before he, he took over the under 18 team he was a a, a solid hard-working high school hockey player Canton High I think he played a year at juniors uh and then played at Stonehill and just worked and loved it and competed and every summer he went and he skated with with Paul Vincent and kind of be a you know was like a an extra coach out there with those guys and was a sponge and just really enjoyed it uh, and you know he he's not you know he's not going to be able to skate circles around guys that are out at the U S he was he, he was never that guy, you know what I mean? But he loves the game and he's a student of the game. And ultimately he's probably going to be an NHL head coach at some point. I think you nailed it on the head being a student of the game in Jersey. If um, you know, like BY said, you know, go to the, the local youth uh, organization and there's always teams that need some help. You know, a lot of times it's apparent that it has to, you know, lend the, the time, but if you're willing and you can put aside some time and, and be around and have some influence on some kids, it's great. I think that's uh, pretty, sometimes it's better that it's a non-parent. So just to be, you know, kind of exposed to, you know, how it works and you kind of start learning on your own and 
kind of i got into it because my son um you know i came back from playing and he was playing so i just kind of was like i'll push some pucks around but then you know i really took to it i really enjoyed helping the kids and then next thing you know like a couple teams are thrown on me but um the the benefit you know as you know you have some flexibility and get to the rank and you know like by said about being a student of the game picking up some good drills you know how to you know like like the stuff we talked about how to communicate is very important to uh, the development of these kids it's not so much just knowing the x's and o's it's about how you can present it to the kids and and why it why it's important to do certain things so you have to learn as a coach you have to continue to learn and and develop and i think the best coaches always do that right uh, how about Jersey Shore? We bring him down, and he helps push up, push some pucks around. Instead of having our kids firing pucks off the glass yeah. at our camp, <laughs> we have Jersey Shore who actually pays attention and learns a couple things. Jersey, you can you can come out. You got an open invitation whenever you want to work for free. Uh, we're not paying you. <laughs> we're definitely not paying you. But uh, you come down to any of our camps. And and speaking of which, uh, log on to the sixline.com to register today for upcoming defensive camp. Uh, clinics with the ring shrinks and Jersey Shore. Uh, we have clinics coming up at the Canton Sportsplex in June and the Canton Ice House in July. Log on to the sixline.com for more details and learn from the ring shrinks in Jersey Shore. Off the ice, on the ice, everywhere. Maybe he can um, Maybe he can earn it a little bit. What would Jersey Shore think? Jim Tan Laundry? Is that what they yep. used to do? That was yeah, that that's the, what they used to do, do the- on the show. Yeah, he could do a little laundry for you guys. Maybe, maybe you can wash the jerseys or something like that. Who I don't know. Maybe I just say you got to earn it. You can't just give it to the guy. You can't just let him come on and push pucks and pick him up. <laughs> uh, you know, you know what a good what a good nickname. Did I did I zone out? Did you tell the story behind the nickname? Yeah, uh, he did before. I have before. Uh, oh, okay. He just he just walked in at like 14 years old in the middle of winter with like cut off sleeves. He had like a blowout haircut. I mean, he looked like. <laughs> DJ Pauly D uh, and just was an absolute cartoon character. So he got the nickname Jersey Shore and he was playing in basically like the winter misfit league. We called it. It was all the kids that didn't make like the high school teams or the JV teams, but he loved it. He loved the game, was passionate about it. And uh, I mean, I still seen him. I, I seen him playing men's league. You know what I mean? He's somebody that, that it, it loves hockey. He he's obsessed with it. And, you know, he's definitely the guy in the crowd at the Bruins games, yelling, shoot, yelling, all those things, all those things that the, the hockey guys think are obnoxious, but he's a fan and loves the game and great guy. He's a great kid. That's a, that's a glue guy right there. Ring yeah. shrink yep. terms, glue yeah. guys. Ring shrink. Yeah. Ring shrink glue guy. I love it. Exactly. Exactly. We got any more voicemails? Yeah, let's go to the third and final. Hey, guys. My name is uh, Dave. I got a son who's a uh, mite who who started learning how to skate, you know, probably started taking the skating lessons when he was like four, and it was to a group that was more specialized in a figure skating background. And we've kind of continued on with that. He's now uh, seven. And just wondering what you think as far as, like, edge work, working with, with, you know, people that are more, you know, figure skating background who don't, tend to use a stick, you know, with their, with their skating. I think it's great. You know, I see a lot of improvement on the crossovers and pivoting and all that good stuff. Um, but a lot of the lessons are done without a stick. I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. Um, if you think that's good or if you think they should really be doing all that skill work while holding a stick. Um, really enjoy the pod. Uh, looking forward to hearing the answer. Thank you. 
Yeah, that's that's Mata, uh, I mean, you got some thoughts on this, right? Well, I think figure skaters are all edges. They they're so good at g- generating power and speed and efficiencies on those edges. So I think that's a great um kind of setup for your your son to um kind of be exposed to for that foundation of the skating. Um you know, and sometimes it's it's important for the figure skaters to wear hockey skates too because sometimes the the stride can be, you know, more linear with the toe picks, but you know the edge work itself going so peak yeah going uh and generating the, those push and pulls and it's it's one of these amazing things when you when you get to see a, a figure skater on their edges um but i do feel that having a stick in your hand is extremely important um you know it, it helps you counterbalance it helps you you know even uh turn to use those edges even more and you don't play hockey without a stick. So eventually, you know, I would still encourage you to keep going with the, uh, the figure skating edge work and, and continue cause you can't be too good of a skater, but I would implement a hockey stick, um, at some point. So when I was seven years old, I mean, yeah. and then you can start adding a puck into some of those drills on your own. And I think that, you know, having that edge work without a stick is fine, you know, but then there has to be a time where you introduce the stick because you want to, you want to have that comfort level as well with the stick. And I think it could help. Yep. Yeah. I think it's, it's definitely, um, there's definitely got to be a balance. I think, you know, I've done some stuff with, with just figure skating coaches, what I, which I think is excellent. And like you said, the edge work piece is huge. Being able to stride in your inside and outside edges, getting comfortable on those can only help you. But like you said, you want to, you know, be able to transition and do that. At the end of the day, the game is played with the, with the stick and a puck, right? So you want to be able to use those edges while handling a puck and making a play and, and skating up and down the ice, et cetera. So I think it's, um, you know, at 70 years old to get those those edges down is very important. But, you know, eventually, um, you know, try to have a little bit of a, a balance between both, right? Yeah, introduce the stick and then introduce pucks as you get going. Um, and then you can put it all together. But I think that's a really good uh, plan that you have in place. And I think that's a super idea for some parents who don't really have the access to some good power skating coaches. Figure skaters are some of the best skaters out there for edge work. So keep that in mind as you're looking uh, to for a possible option of skating. Definitely, definitely. Mots, do you want to talk about this um, little – instagram uh or facebook message that would that we got uh and we can kind of paraphrase some of the mistakes that were made and 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 what what happened as a result of it yeah so we got um so that's a i don't think we need to read the whole thing it's kind of long but but we can kind of talk about it it's a two-parter that um so we got a a message from uh you know a mom a mom and dad's group it was on facebook but uh and there was a post that was out there so we'll we'll try to put this all together here for you so we gotta have an 07 and my kid has played with this particular kid at the might level and his father is not a solid yep yeah we, we went out we went our separate ways <laughs> that was a nice way of saying it yeah and not his son, a solid his son did in fact become a very good player after going through three AAA organizations, this post showed up. So as far as the post, um, I mean, we can, you want me to just paraphrase that? 
Yeah, we can paraphrase that. I mean, uh, we can get into. Yeah, yeah. Let's paraphrase that a little bit. We don't need to 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 read the whole thing. That's for sure. So now yeah. this is the dad replying to a post, right? Well, this to, is the to a group. Yeah, this is just kind of like the the uh, the post that is being ref- it was just referenced. I am a banished hockey dad. I have made mistakes years ago. I should have become a hockey coach. So, uh, yeah. No, we'll skip yeah. that part. <laughs> my, my, my reputation and character uh, are destroyed from mistakes made in the past, like five or six years ago. I, I have, in my opinion, the best 07 AAA player on Long Island who doesn't have a team because of me in hockey politics. There's nothing I can do as a parent. No child should go through what my son is going through now. Going through now. Um, whether you're right or wrong doesn't matter. Your opinion means nothing. Uh, life and hockey are very similar. Big Corp can shut you down. And it doesn't matter how talented you are. This so-called hockey community is more like everyone in it for themselves. So I, what do you got here? I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot <laughs> there, of layers. There was, there was, there was, there's some different layers. I mean, I think, and, and you even skipped a little bit of, uh, you know, this guy's very angry and he's bitter and he's seeing some, some, uh, He's trying to seek some culture, cult, uh, uh, counseling. Yeah. I was going to say culturing, uh, <laughs> counseling for for the mistakes he's made, and ultimately, I I mean I think that's part of what we've talked about on this show, right? Is is if you're a crazy hockey parent, unfortunately, at the end of the day, your kid, no matter how good he is, can end up paying the price, and that's unfortunate, and it really is. It it you know. Um, you know, I hope for this kid's sake that he is a good player and, and he catches on with the team and is able to, to find some, some success. And, you know, his, his dad can learn to kind of separate things and, and stay away from the rink. Right. Or, or at least keep quiet and not, um, you know, kind of get rid of that crazy hockey parent, um, tag that he has attached to him because his, his son is still young. I think he said he was what, no seven. So, um, you know, again, it just should be kind of noted as a as a hockey parent that other parents can take notice of it. And if you, you know, and coaches and people don't want to touch you with the 10-foot pole, and we've talked to college coaches about it, we've talked to tons of people about it, that, you know, if you're, you have that reputation at the end of the day, you're not going to be the one that's punished. It's going to be your son or daughter, unfortunately. Yeah, I think this is a, a clear example of you can learn from other people's mistakes. Um, it just, and listen to the ring shrinks. Yeah, it stinks that five or six uh, years ago, if we were around, we might have helped this guy. Maybe, maybe. But uh, that is an, an unfortunate situation. I think it, things will shake out. You know, for the player, if the dad has kind of kind of rectified his behavior. But I just you know because. If he's that good and he's he's gonna, you know, someone's gonna take a chance on him and let him play, and then you just gotta move on. But uh this is like worst case scenario for a parent who um has taken it too far on multiple levels and you know, hockey community said, you know, it's it's like a big court, but it the hockey community is very small, even though there's a lot of you know players and teams that we talk about, it's very small. And it seems as though everyone's cut out of the same cloth and everyone does have the right, you know, interests in mind for the most part. And when, you know, there's a outlier on the negative side, it's a real, 
you know, red flag. And that happens in this case. And, and it's just too bad that it's coming back on the, on the player. Uh, and the dad can't do anything about it now, but looking back, you know, he knows he made mistakes and, you know, so whoever is listening out there is, you know, if you can take a breath and, and try to avoid a situation like this, you know, um, mission accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. I think well said. And, and, you know, I hope what I hope, I hope the kid, uh, can continue on and, and continue to develop because obviously we did hear from the dad that he thinks he's very good. And also another parent who, who sent us a message that said that the kid is a very good player. So at the end of the day, I hope um, the father's mistakes in the past don't end up hurting this kid uh, moving forward. I got one more for you, Mots. Not sure if you guys have touched on the subject or not, but I was curious to hear your opinions on parents, family members, giving kids money for goals. Uh, personally, I can't stand it. I've seen it turn so many kids into selfish players. I forget. I don't know if there's a name attached to that. Yeah, so I mean, I I remember back. Did Papa March used to uh, used to used to hit you with the with the fin if you scored a goal. Not a chance. Um, no. no, I I I disagree with it. Um, it's a game played. You know, there should be some internal drive to be the best that you can be, whether it be you know scoring goals, assists, blocking shots, whatever. You know, just playing the game the right way. Um, no added incentive needs to be put on you know for scoring goals you know a pat on the back great job congratulations is as far as it should go because you start kind of separating that personal success from team success it can it can lead to some bad um, habits some bad decisions as an early you know as an early player you know you start shooting when the play could be to pass, you know, just because you want that five bucks or whatever it is. Um, so I just, I really disagree with it because I disagree with it. And, I, and I'll take it even a step further. Mots the, even the, 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 the new kids that are getting involved in the game and you know, the father's promising them like, Oh, if you go to learn a skate, I'll buy you a slice of pizza or a candy bar or a toy, a target or whatever it may be. I think it's wrong. Like the kid should want to go to the rink. The kid should want to, you know, go out and play and have fun. If he does, if he's not into it and he's only doing it for the toys or the cash, then shut it's, it down. Shut it down. You know, yeah. find another sport, do something else. So that's my take on. It. I, I I disagree completely. Mots, before we wrap here, I'd like to talk about cross country mortgage. If you own a home and you haven't looked into refinancing in a while, have a quick chat with Devo to see if it makes sense for you. Many people don't understand the impact that a refinance can have on their monthly savings or overall wealth. Devo may be able to help you save on a monthly basis so you can put more money into savings or other projects. Check him out at chrisdevin.com. Again, go to chrisdevin.com, Cross Country Mortgage, LLC, NMLS number 47305. Devo's a great net. guy, yep. Can, can handle uh, all your refi needs and find some extra cash. You know, throw it, throw it towards the travel team. <laughs> exactly yeah, exactly i think that pretty much uh wraps things up once i just again. wanted to check some, oh you uh, got something yeah you know this um you got something for me well we had unfortunate tragedy in the area so we have a couple gofundme pages that we would like to put in our show notes we'll put the links on in there uh, but brantree officers canine kit and his handler Billy Cushing and Officer Matt Donahue. Matt is home and doing well. Billy's still in the hospital and will hopefully be out soon. But 
unfortunate situation there where they came up on a, a, a tough situation. But we wish them the best. We will have those GoFundMe uh, links in the show notes. So if you could check that out and lend some support to uh, those brave guys. And unfortunately, Kit did not make it. But it's uh, it's a difficult situation to 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 talk about but we want to support those guys they're hockey guys and are in the uh forefront of all this stuff so we just wanted uh to lend our support as well as the worcester officer manny familiar who went into a uh, a lake to save someone and unfortunately passed away uh drowned with the uh, the was i think it was like a 12 or 13 year old trying to save him so two gofundmes and we will have those links in the show notes yeah, those will be up there. And obviously, um, you know, very sad what happened to Manny Familia. He was a great guy. I met him at a wedding. Uh, we had a mutual friend and a uh, fantastic guy, father of two, and uh, very sad. He saved two kids. And unfortunately, um, you know, he passed along with another, the, the third kid that he was trying to save. So he's a, a true hero. And those guys in Braintree are great guys. They're big hockey guys of, uh, I've skated with them before and, um, and, and, you know, just, just nice guys. And it was a very unfortunate what, what happened and especially with their canine, um, you know, canine kit passing, but any, uh, any support, anything you guys can do to help out. Uh, we really appreciate it. I know the shrinks will be, uh, will be donating, um, because it's, it's the right thing to do. And we really appreciate it. It's also been tweeted out from our, uh, social media account as well. Uh, and speaking of that, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the Rink Shrinks and Twitter at Rink Shrinks. Fill up the voicemail. Um, we'll be dipping into the mailbag, not next week, but the week after. Uh, the The voicemails were great. Those those questions were fantastic. So make sure you hit us up there, 3476-SHRINK. Again, that's 347-674-7465. Or email us any questions rinkshrinks at gmail.com great job Mots. yeah that was great a lot of great questions from across the country and you know just some really good points and kind of i love that feedback from our listeners and uh, hopefully we can add some value help you make some decisions or avoid some because catastrophes like uh like our friend on Long Island there. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, we like you said, Mots, the, the more questions, the better. We try to get to as many of them as we can. Uh, sometimes the long ones get pretty tough to read, but those email and Instagram questions and the voicemails, they're pretty straightforward, and we can, we can touch on them, and it really helps us drive the show. So we appreciate it. And great work, buddy. It was great chatting with you. Dave, good job, as always. I know you're in mourning right now. It's tough to listen to Milan Lucic talk about being the ultimate team player and then watch what we saw last night, which is a cheap shot by every measure and nobody defended Charlie McAvoy in that moment. So deserve what they got. See you later. I'm an Islanders fan. Goodbye. Oh, boy. And <laughs> hey, you knew I was with a couple of your uh, biz and wit yesterday. They, uh, I, I was telling them about you. I put in a good word that you're going to be down Boston coming up soon. So they're uh they're excited biz said he might even give you a follow on instagram oh wow oh, holy smokes look at yeah. that so that's what? how you know you're part of the the the, the club listen producers stick together i'm looking for that grinelli follow and that's actually i think i have it already but it's all right yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, know. I'm, a, I'm a i'm a grinelli guy first all right you know oh, you talent geez. guys you guys yeah I'm a producer. I'm a talent. Stick together. <laughs> the talent guys. Uh, Grinelli. I could talk to Grinelli. Maybe we'll see. Yeah. Hey, but the producers are the glue guys though. Glue guys. That's, that's exactly. the guy. You're the Jersey Shore. 
You should That's be the one guy. pushing pucks for us, not Jersey Shore. No, I don't think so. I think Jersey Shore's got it covered. I think he's got, he's got it handled. Uh, we'll get him he's a six-line tank top. Yes. <laughs> and he has to coach in it. He can't wear a jumper. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be perfect. I think he actually put on a couple LBs, though. He might be a little bit chunky now. He, he has to come from now the he's salon. Like, who, who's the other guy? The guy that, that blew up on Jersey Shore. That, oh, the, the situation. Yeah, the, but the I, situation. But he, but he went to prison and he lost all the weight. So, you know, things work out. Oh, he did. Okay. However it happens, things end up working out. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he put on some LBs there for a while. He sure did. All right, boys. Good job. All right. We'll see you, boys. Thank you.